0: Thank you so much for joining us again this evening as we get into the Word together. We have been doing something for uh, about once a month for really going on two years now and that is responding to questions that you have submitted and we try to ask you to submit one ahead of time and to to put them in that that gold box on the wall back there and i will try to to get around to them i know i'm behind on them Uh, there's a whole lot of them that are still out there that are unanswered so don't think i'm ignoring your question Uh, but we're just trying to to get to a few as we go along may even start doing some of these more than once a month and i know we've been out of uh, our normal schedule a little bit during the summer, but going to get back into doing this at least once a month. Tonight, I want to deal with just one question in particular that was submitted. I think this is a bit of an involved one, so I wanted to spend a little more time on it. So I hope that you will patiently and prayerfully consider it with me uh, this evening. Here is the question that was submitted, the way that it was worded if prophets and the disciples were in direct contact with God or in their dreams, why does the church believe that God is no longer talking to man like he has done throughout history? And please respond to the same question about healing. Now we're, we're not going to touch on healing tonight uh, for the sake of time. Uh, we'll hope to come back to that in a future lesson. Uh, but I do want to spend a lot of time on this this idea here about hearing word from from God tonight, because I, I want to do justice to the question. And again, whatever background you're coming from tonight, I hope that you'll hear this out uh, and that we can all learn a lot from this. First, let me let me um, just point out a couple of things with the way the question was submitted. Uh, there's a difference in these terms: the, the, term, the term disciple and the term prophet disciple just means a follower, a pupil of a teacher, someone who's imitating that teacher. So when we're disciples of Jesus, that's that's a broad group. In fact, that's even broader than the 12 that become known as the apostles. Uh, it, it included a much broader group. Anyone who was following Jesus and anyone eventually who would commit themselves to following Jesus is a disciple. And we can call ourselves disciples if we are committed to following Jesus as well. Prophet is a term that is used for some specific people in the scriptures. A prophet is someone who receives a message from God, uh, who is receiving something, and I want to say, uh, I'm cautious about using the word directly from God, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. But a prophet's job is to receive and then to pass on that message. To receive and then to pass on that, that message. And you read a lot of examples of these in the scriptures of who prophets are. And yes, prophets are responsible for whether it's prophet, just known as a prophet, or really the apostles have prophetic gifts as well. Uh, They are inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, to to not only in the speeches that we read that they give, but also in their writings that they share that we have recorded as scripture. Uh, They are prophetic as well, meaning not necessarily that they are telling us something in the future. That's not the main meaning of prophecy. Prophecy is just to receive a message and then to pass on. It is to be the mouthpiece of God. It is to speak forth what God has given you. And so that is really what we mean by prophet. So let's talk about this term right here. Tonight we we call this either direct revelation or special revelation. I'm going to use the term special revelation instead of direct because sometimes there's a mediator even with prophets. There's different forms that God is going to use to reveal his word, and we'll get to some of that in just a moment. The word revelation, we're not just talking about the book. That's one book of the Bible. We're talking about the very idea of revealing something from God. So whenever we receive something that is a message from God, that is revelation. Now there's many kinds of revelation. There's natural revelation. The Bible talks about that. It says that we can learn a lot about God even by observing nature. Nature Itself, The heavens declare the glory of God. That is a form of natural revelation that you can see without having ever opened up your Bible. But that is not the only way that God reveals himself. God has revealed himself in special ways where he has spoken a message to people. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. Is who who are the recipients of this, and is this something? How do we handle this today? So let's get into it a little bit. This is what I would say about this. Is again my definition, but special revelation is God communicating a specific message to an individual or to a small group of witnesses of that message. So God communicating a specific message to an individual. Or small group of witnesses, and that's why we call it special. It's not something that happens every day. And it's not something that every individual will experience from God. Now let's go on and let's talk about this a little more. How has God given special revelation in the scriptures themselves? What do we see in scriptures of examples of how God has spoken uh, to people? Now the term used earlier was prophets there's also a term that's used sometimes in the scriptures for just the fathers or as we might say the patriarchs who we may not necessarily see as a prophet but they were the head of a family and especially if you break down the history of the bible into patriarchal age, mosaic age, Christian age uh, there are heads of families that we see God speaking to. Now sometimes they're also called a prophet. You could be a patriarch and a prophet at the same time. Uh, You could be a prophet without being the head of a family. So those terms are not always used interchangeably, uh, but there sometimes is some overlap between them. But the reason I say, I hesitate to say direct revelation, the Bible itself talks a lot about this revelation coming through angels. The Word of God being mediated through angels. Check out these these passages. Go run through a lot of verses tonight. Hebrews 2, verse 2. If the word spoken through angels proved unalterable. Now that is looking back on the revelation that God has given in the past. Uh, and saying that it was spoken through angels. Now, this is not the only place it says that. We'll come back to Hebrews later on. Galatians chapter 3. It's talking about the law of Moses. It's looking back. It says, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator. Okay? So this word has been given through angels. The word angel means messenger. Isn't that what you often see with an angel when we read of an angel appearing to someone in the scriptures is delivering a specific message for a specific individual or a small group of people, whether that's Mary or Joseph or shepherds who are watching their flocks. It's a small group. It's a specific message. It's given by God, but it's given through the mediation or the agency of an angel. That's part of why Part of the purpose God has had for angels from the beginning. All right, here's a couple more passages quickly. This Moses, this is Stephen's speech in Acts chapter 7. He says, This Moses is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai. You say, Well, I thought God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. He did. But we have an angel that's mentioned. God is speaking through the agency of an angel. And he goes on and says some more things about there Later on the same speech, Stephen says, You receive the law as ordained by angels. So there's four New Testament uh, verses for you to think on tonight. Sometimes God is spoken through an angel whenever he has given special revelation. Sometimes it's direct speech. Sometimes God speaks directly to people, and we don't know for sure that all these cases are direct speech, but we have no other details in these passages except that God said to these individuals. So, one example, right there in Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve have sinned, God comes, He's walking in the garden. Uh, That's an expression used to describe God's presence there in the garden with them, and He says to Adam. So, God speaks to Adam uh, directly. Also, with Noah. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 13, it just says God says to him. With Abram later on in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, So those are just some examples. There are many others that you read of in the scriptures. I'm just giving you a few of those. So sometimes God speaks through an angel. Sometimes he speaks directly to somebody. Sometimes he speaks through what we might call a conscious vision. And I'm going to distinguish this between a dream vision. A conscious vision is, from all indications in the text, someone is awake. They are conscious throughout the experience. But God is revealing a message for them through a vision. So it's not just something that they hear, it's also something that they see. Now this is fascinating to me. The first time that you read of the Word of God or the Word of Yahweh coming to someone, uh, the the, the first time the Bible explicitly says that is in Genesis 15, verse 1. Now Abram's interesting, he's later going to be called Abraham because other places uh, he's going to receive the Word from God in multiple ways uh, that we're going to see here. But isn't this interesting? The word, so word we think of something that's spoken, but yet it came in a vision and it says. So there is a visible element and there's also an audible element uh, that is going on here. And that's often what God is trying to use through a, a visual message. One of the reasons why sometimes I preach without <laughs> using a presentation because some messages are better heard when they're just, they're just heard, they're just listened to. Sometimes though, Uh, some messages a visual effect can can help in some ways and so Uh, I think God uses the same thing when he's talking with prophets, when he's talking with patriarchs. Uh, He communicates his word sometimes through a vision. Uh, You'll see that. We've been studying Isaiah. Wasn't that a vivid vision that Isaiah has in Isaiah chapter 6 of the throne room of God? You're going to see many visions that the prophet Ezekiel is going to see. Some very vivid ones. Some fascinating ones. The prophet Daniel uh, is often communicated uh, a message to him through visions. Zechariah is another book that's full of those visions. We often call these books, Revelation, again, John seeing multiple visions. We often call those books, those books that I've given you right there, apocalyptic. That doesn't mean they're all about the end of time. What apocalyptic really means is that it is God revealing something through visions, Something that was hidden, but he's giving you a glimpse behind the curtain. Something that you couldn't see before, and he's giving you a glimpse into that spiritual realm. And so sometimes God has worked this way through prophets. Okay, now here's the next way. Sometimes he works through a dream, and there's a vision, or there's a hearing something through a dream. And uh, now you'll see several examples of this in the Bible. I'm just going to give you a few of them. Some of the most memorable ones are Joseph, Genesis 37. He tells his brother, "Hey, I've had a dream. You know, I have, my chief was up above yours and yours were bowing down to me. And they don't, they don't take to that message, of that dream, very kindly. So you have Joseph who has a lot to do with dreams. You have Daniel, same thing. God communicates a message to him through a dream state in Daniel chapter 7. It's the one where he has the dream and the vision that God gives to him in that dream again is first of the beast's coming out of the sea and then later on a picture of the son of man who's coming up to the ancient of days to occupy a throne and so some very vivid visions that daniel's given in a dream too by the way daniel says after some of his visions whether they're conscious or through a dream that he was sick after them he's physically sick he's ill you know they they take a lot of energy out of them they they zap them. it's overwhelming to have an experience like that with God uh, It's not something that every person is prepared for so we can see again why there God chooses certain people that he is sharing this with, these types of experiences with, it's not commonplace for everyone, even in the times of the Bible that we're reading about, for everyone to have these types of messages to come from God. Joseph, the husband of Mary, this is interesting. You read Matthew, I I noticed this the other day, four times within the span of of about a chapter there uh, that you're going to see that God reveals something to Joseph through a dream. Uh, So he's very much using the dreams of Joseph in that case. And, of course, that's the time of a very young Jesus. But here's what else is interesting in the scriptures. You know, we we think of Joseph and Daniel, Joseph the husband of Mary. These are God-fearing people. Uh, These are people that we would expect for God to reveal things to through dreams. There's a whole lot of pagans in the Bible, too that we don't know anything really about their faith, or we don't know much about their faith, or we know enough to know that they're not faithful to God, uh, we would call them pagans. They're, they're worldly people uh, for the most part, From everything that we can see. At least they didn't have the same worldview that the, the Hebrew people had uh, of one God. And yet, Sometimes they have dreams that God is revealing something to them. For example, there's a Philistine chieftain named Abimelech. You run into him a couple times in Genesis. We're told God has a message for him through a dream. Laban I mentioned this morning. You know, Laban has, he's an idolater. We're going to see in the text, if you read closely, one of the things he's upset about is whenever his daughter Rachel leaves him and she's taking his household idols. He's upset about it. He wants to chase them down. He wants them back. He's not someone who really acknowledges Yahweh as his one God. Uh, But it's interesting. God reveals a message to him through a dream. It's what he says. You remember the cupbearer and the baker in Genesis 40? They have a dream. They have dreams. Joseph interprets those dreams. You get a pharaoh in the next chapter who has a very significant dream. Again, this is a pagan ruler of a nation. Uh, maybe he comes to a faith in God through the influence of Joseph, who he if Joseph ends up being promoted to second in command in Egypt, but he's certainly not at the beginning of this. Uh, he's someone who has just, you know, has uh, we just uh, at least all indications are he believes in the pantheon of the Egyptian gods. You know he's an Egyptian ruler, uh, and yet God sends a dream to him that's got significance. Uh, there's Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar has a troubling dream in Daniel chapter two. Daniel has to interpret that for him. You even read of the Magi. You ever stop to think about who the Magi are? They're they're not Hebrew people. Uh, They're not, probably not even proselytes, you know, as we would say, converts to the Jewish faith. They are most likely uh, Zoroastrian, which is a Persian religion, Zoroastrian astrologers. Uh, And yet, God revealed something to them through a dream. And even Pilate's wife, I have a question mark there, because the text never says that that dream is necessarily from God. But she does say to her husband, if you remember, that she's been troubled by a dream about this Jesus fellow. And maybe as a warning, that Pilate should should tread carefully through this situation. She's been troubled by that dream. Dreams are interesting in the scriptures. You do see a lot of occurrences, and I've just given you a few of these, of God revealing a message uh, to people through a dream. Sometimes God speaks in another way. Sometimes he'll speak through the appearance of a particular man. Genesis 18, Abraham looks and there are three men as he describes them. And then later on in the text, after one of the men has spoken to him, uh, he says that God has said, God has said this. Uh, So sometimes God will appear in the At least in a temporary form of a man. Those are interesting too with a message. Genesis 32. Jacob says that he wrestled, he wrestled with a man, is what the text says. But then afterwards he says that surely God has been in this place. You know, he he senses this as the presence of God and God who has spoken to him at the end of this. And then Joshua 5. There's someone who Joshua perceives as the commander of the Lord's host. So either he looks like an angel or he looks like a man. Uh, He's at least has uh, in the form of someone who we might see as a general. So he looks like a man in this case. But Joshua realizes he's much more than this. And he actually worships him. And this man accepts his worship. This is God speaking a message to Joshua about not being afraid of their coming encounter with Jericho and the Canaanites. Interesting stuff the different ways that God communicates. Maybe these, this next one, is the most fascinating of all. Sometimes he communicates through another object, something non-human, something non-angelic, maybe even something like a burning bush in Exodus 3. It's the voice of God, but there is a visible effect that is accompanied by the voice of God for the message that is coming. What about this one? God even opens up the mouth of a donkey, Balaam's donkey in Numbers chapter 22, and God has a message for Balaam through the mouth of his own donkey. And then you even have something as strange as a hand that appears writing a message on a wall in Daniel chapter 5. I know these are some bizarre things. If you're troubled by any of this, you know, just, just talk talk with me afterwards. I know that if you're new to the scriptures, sometimes you're going to encounter things like this, some strange things. But God is speaking to different individuals in a number of different ways. But having said all of that, I think that we see if you study, what Revelation, when God is revealing a message for people throughout the Bible, again, not everyone was intended to receive a message either directly from God or special revelation that was mediated from God intended for them as an individual. Uh, There are periods in the Bible where it seems that there are not prophets. And sometimes that frustrates uh, the the rulers who are looking for a prophet, a genuine prophet. Um, I think one of the reasons why John the Baptist is shocking to people is because they haven't seen a prophet like that in a long time. You know, many generations, whenever he comes around and comes on the scene and is, is preaching the way that he preaches, and of course, preparing the way for Jesus. So here's some other things to consider about prophets. You're also not supposed to believe everyone who claims to be a prophet. Uh, here's what one of the pastors that talks about that. So there's a lot of them. Numbers 12, verse 6, If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I will speak with him in a dream. Now, there's two of our terms right there. A couple of the ways that that God would use prophets, and he did. But also look at some of the rest of this. 1 Samuel 28, verse 15. Notice what Samuel, who is actually being brought back in a spirit form uh, from the realm of the dead in this moment... Uh, Another fascinating story that we can look at in more detail some other time. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? And Saul answered, I'm greatly distressed, for the Philistines are waging war against me, and God has departed from me and no longer answers me. Notice what he says either through prophets or by dreams. Now, if you remember Saul's story, Saul actually started out as, as someone who could receive prophecy from God. Uh, there was an expression, is Saul among the prophets? So not only was he a king, he was someone who was getting a message uh, at times directly from God. Later on, he would rely on his prophet Samuel. In Saul's particular case, his, his disobedience... And his lack of faith over time, his lack of trust in God, uh, had, had moved him away from God. This is not God moving himself away from Saul. This is, this is Saul abandoning God. And that's why he's no longer getting answers from God. But that's what he's looking for right here. So he's looking for a prophet or he's looking for a dream because he cannot seem to receive that message from God. He just wants, him, wants to use God, manipulate him for his own purposes at this point. But notice what he says here. When I said that we're not supposed to believe everything that a prophet says, Jeremiah 23, verse 32, this is one of those places. Here's what God says. Behold, I am against those who prophesied false dreams. So a dream could be false, declares the Lord, and related them and led my people astray by their falsehoods and reckless boasting. Yet I did not send them or command them, nor do they furnish this people the slightest benefit, declares the Lord. So there are false prophets that you read of in the scriptures. And there is a claim with a false prophet that they have received something from God. If you read Deuteronomy, it's going to warn you several times about this. Uh, even Jesus says, don't trust Everything that you hear, someone who claims to have a message from God, there are false, there have been false prophets, a term that the New Testament sometimes uses is false teachers. They're not handling, they either don't really have a word of God or they are not handling the word of God correctly. Zechariah 10 verse 2, for the teraphim, another expression for uh, the small idols that people would use uh, that they would look to for divination, which maybe we'll talk about some more next week. They're trying to, to look to that spirit realm or to that spiritual world for what they see as insight into the future. But look at what Zechariah says, for the teraphim speak iniquity. And the diviners, those who are trying to get information from, from that realm, the diviners see lying visions. They tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. So just because someone has a dream does not mean that dream is from God. Just because someone feels they have heard a message does not mean that message is necessarily from God. Uh, Sometimes people may genuinely believe it's from God. Sometimes people may know it's not from God and are using that as an opportunity to manipulate other people through by saying that it's from God. Either way we are to be very cautious we don't just ascribe to anyone uh, that they are a prophet. Some so-called prophets are even able to deceive a lot of people into developing a following after them by different methods, and both the Old and New Testament warns us about that. So receiving revelation from God is not something that everyone experiences directly or even mediated to them specifically in a special way that is intended just for them or just for a small group. I hope you all are following with me so far. This is an overview of how God is speaking to people throughout the Bible. Now here's where we're going with all of this and the place where I think starts to get to our question of what about today? I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 1. And I think Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 2, I'm not saying these are the only places that are going to give us insight into this. There's a lot of places, but for time's sake, I think these are going to be the most important uh, to help us with this. Notice what, how, the, how the book of Hebrews starts off. The book of Hebrews is all about the supremacy of Jesus Christ. And, and whatever system, whatever background you come from, specifically a lot of the original readers of this book, are, are probably coming from that mosaic system. The Levitical system of, of the rituals, the, sacrif- the yearly sacrifices that are associated with atonement, the, the keeping of Sabbath, a lot of other things that they have have been they've grown up on. These are the practices, and for good reason. You know that was well, that was how they practiced their faith in God. But the writer of Hebrews, as he's being inspired here, wants to make a distinction between the past and what the way is going to be going forward. Now look at the time distinction. Long ago and then more specifically at many times, so this is not just at one point in time, but over many times, so long ago, at many times, and in many ways. Okay so uh, I think some of the translations use portions here uh, but in many ways now we've already looked at the ways I gave you at least six of them there may be more in the scriptures but that was just an overview the different ways God has spoken to people now who who did he speak to he spoke to our fathers that's just a general term to to look back at past generations to spoke to our fathers by the prophets okay so again it didn't not every father received a special message directly to them from God. God spoke to them by the prophets. Now that was long ago, many times and in many ways. Now here's the distinction going forward. But in these last days, now he doesn't point to a future last days or at least something that's just in the future he says these last days when you read last days in the the way that expression is used in the New Testament follow it carefully uh, last days is everything from the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ forward it is the it's described in, in many terms but that is that seems to be the point, especially that that yeah that marking of the death, burial, and resurrection seems to be the bringing of the new covenant, as later on the book of Hebrews says. Now that's expression used in the Old Testament, but Hebrews is going to say that it happens, a new covenant goes into effect when you have the death of. of of someone. Uh, you know, the, the way that it uses it, like a last will and testament. When you have the death of someone, the new covenant goes into effect. And so he's saying that the cross is a point in time that we need to take very seriously. It doesn't mean that everything before that is no longer relevant. It doesn't mean that we throw out our Old Testament. It doesn't mean that, that uh, nothing up to that point was important. No, this whole book and really the whole Bible is showing you the whole story has been leading you to Jesus Christ. But how God communicates, how he has communicated in the past, has also come to a fulfillment in these last days. And in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So formerly by the prophets, In these last days, which I'm convinced is the entire Christian age, everything from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes again is the last days. Uh, He has spoken to us by his Son. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this because it's exalting who Jesus is and the importance of this. Whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Now that's interesting. Even the creation is connected with Jesus being the Word. The way that God ultimately reveals himself, the greatest revelation of all is God revealing himself through the Word. And the John chapter 1 says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So it's not just God speaking. The revelation through Jesus Christ is not just the words that he taught. It is the words that he spoke, but it's also the life that he lived. It's everything that he did, both said and did, is the ultimate revelation from God. It's the greatest revelation that we could ever have. Here's why. Uh, He is the radiance of the glory of God. This is the English Standard Version here. I think this captures this, this passage really well. And the exact imprint of his nature. You know, when you make an imprint with a stamp, you know, you dip it in ink, but you have a design that completely matches the branding that you want. It's specified to be exactly what is on this part of the stamp is going down on whatever envelope or whatever else you're stamping it on. That's exactly what this is saying here. Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God. He carries the light, the wonder, everything about the goodness of God. And he's also the exact imprint of his nature. It's as if God is stamping himself on humanity. And that's why Jesus can say, if, you've seen, if you want to see the Father, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Uh, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. It talks about him after making purifications for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels, as the name he has inherited it is more excellent than theirs. Now remember when we said in the past, part of the ways that God spoke at times past, God spoke to our fathers by, by the prophets, but sometimes the prophet would receive their message by an angel, through an angel. Jesus Christ is superior to those angels. Now go with me to chapter 2 of Hebrews. Let's read these first four verses to see a little bit of what is going on here the communication of Jesus is greater it's more direct than the communication of God even through an angel and let's listen to what he says here for this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard okay so what is it that we have heard well he's talking about what we've heard in these last days What we've heard in the ministry of Jesus, what we've seen in the ministry of Jesus, and what he has left with his apostles to continue to share as they have a miraculous measure of the Spirit to share it. What we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels, there it is again. He's talking about that old word, and he says if it's spoken through angels proved unalterable, He's saying it's good, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty. It's to be taken seriously. It still is today. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? The salvation we've received through Jesus Christ. The revelation we've received through Jesus Christ. And it was at the first spoken through the Lord. The Lord is Jesus himself. It was confirmed to us by those who heard. That is, us, you know, there's some debate about who the human uh, mediator of the book of Hebrews is. We know the Holy Spirit is behind this. But someone among the apostles or among the apostle circle might have been Paul, might have been someone else. But it was confirmed to us by those who heard. Those who heard those who were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that the foundation of his church, you read in the book of Ephesians, and you're going to to get to the end of chapter 2, and then again you're going to see some language at the end of chapter 3 about it being this building that's being built up, and it's on a foundation. And that foundation is Jesus himself being the cornerstone, but also the teachings of his apostles. Why? Because his apostles are the ones who are continuing as the ones who were eyewitnesses of Jesus and of his resurrection they had a special gift to continue the revelation from God and it was confirmed as we see here by signs and wonders, various miracles by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will now those who heard Jesus like Matthew like John Like Peter, later Paul, who has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus, they confirm the words of Jesus. They confirm the life of Jesus through the things that they said. They had often signs and wonders to confirm that. They are simply passing on direct special revelation that they have received. Their testimony is what we read in the scriptures. Now let me be careful to say this. I know this is saying here that the word, what we have heard spoken, you know, what we have heard is, is through the Lord. And just looking past on this word in the past it has been spoken through angels. Every word of God we need to regard as the word of God. No matter the mediator. We've seen God has spoken in many ways. Today I'm, I don't want you to come away from this saying well let's just throw out our Old Testament it's no longer important to us all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction okay you know what the scriptures were at the time that was written that's talking in that moment at least about the Old Testament scriptures okay there would be more scripture but that is looking back at those scriptures the ones that Timothy would have had since he grew up, okay? The ones that he, the sacred scriptures, uh, those are the ones that he grew up with. So we are not saying that there is anything less about the Old Testament. We are not saying that it is any less inspired than the New Testament. What we are saying is the great gift that we have in the teachings of Jesus himself, in the life of Jesus himself, it is the most direct revelation that we could receive from God. It's what everything else was anticipating. It's what everything else was building up to. The New Testament is not only thus saith the Lord, it is thus liveth the Lord among us. Daniel, chapter 9. Consider this. This is an interesting one too. Now get into the whole context here. Seventy weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression. To make an end of sin, before I read the rest of this, just know this is already talking about the coming of the new covenant, the Christian age, the last days, all the things that are transitioning when Jesus Christ arrives in the flesh. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, that's definitely got to be speaking of Jesus, the final atonement, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now here's the next one. To seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place. Seems to be that Daniel is saying that a time was coming when the special revelation from God would be completed, when it would be sealed up. And the time of Jesus and of his apostles, what we have the hindsight of seeing, on this side of the last days, is that that makes sense that that was going to be completed in that time. That's why 66 books, you know, the technical name, it's a closed canon. You know, it's not something where someone writes something tomorrow, and as good a Christian writer, and I read a lot of stuff, and I, I encourage you to read. Be careful about what you read, Be careful about how you digest what you read, obviously, There's a lot of good materials out there, just like listening to a good sermon. You can learn a lot from from reading someone who's writing. But no matter what they're writing and and no matter how much I believe that that person has a faithful relationship with God and that they have the Holy Spirit in them, uh, I don't regard anything that they write as Scripture. It is not part of the canon of Scripture. Uh, It is not true vision and prophecy the same way that Scripture is. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Another one that speaks to this. Here's what it says the scriptures are. And this is why I think all this is making a distinction between what is scripture and and what is not. Why is scripture special? 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Talking about eyewitness testimony. But it says here, scripture is not one's own interpretation. It's not a mere act of human will. It is speech from God by men moved by the Holy Spirit. That's the definition of what inspiration really means. That's a difference. Now let's come to to this. I strongly believe that the Holy Spirit is still active in us, that he indwells us. If you want to talk some more about that, we can in private. And I believe that God can influence us in many ways, and some of those are mysterious. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about God. But I cannot see a reason for the Spirit to send one of us new special revelation in a dream or in a conscious vision or in direct speech any special revelation in light of what we've looked at tonight. Especially in light of what Hebrews says and what these other passages are teaching us about the special nature and the sufficiency of Scripture and of the prophetic word spoken through Jesus Christ ultimately summed up, the whole word being summed up in him. Now God answers prayer providentially in many ways. I believe God is is working in our lives. He's guiding us in ways we will never even realize. Dreams are interesting. Uh, They at least reveal to us something about what's going on subconsciously within us. They may reveal a lot to us about that. Maybe they can bring to our conscious minds some things that we're really struggling with down deep. Could God help you work through A personal decision by bringing to your mind something in a dream? Could he give you a wake-up call of the damage that sin is doing, your sin is doing to yourself and to the people around you through a dream? Could he use that? Well, I will say, yeah, maybe. I know I've had some dreams that have startled me, and maybe they have brought me back closer to God. But that's different than a direct or even a mediated special revelation to an individual. I wouldn't rely on a message being, a dream being a message from God. The Bible itself gives us examples of this. You read the book of Job, Eliphaz, Job chapter 4? Part of his reasoning that he goes on and, and is going to to. Say, Job, you're wrong about all of this? You know, it's based on an experience he has had through a dream. It's based on a, a message that he thinks he's received from God through a dream. And yet, in the end, his wisdom, supposed wisdom, is not accurate. So, again, we've got to be careful about this in attributing something to God that may not actually be from God. Either that message that Eliphaz received, either it wasn't from God or if it was from God, then he twisted it into something it was never intended to be. And I would say the same is true for, for those today who audit, say they have audibly heard the voice of God or heard God whisper something to them. I, I don't want to belittle anyone's faith. Uh, and and I, I certainly I don't want to downplay what God is capable of either. The last thing I want to do today is to undermine your faith or to present a lesser God to you. Just, just if God is not giving special revelation to individuals today, if you see that as lessening His power, His glory. I don't see that as lessening God. I see an understanding based on Hebrews that the greatest revelation from God that we could ever receive was when He walked on this earth and he spoke and he lived these teachings and they've been recorded by eyewitnesses for us to have forever in such a way that is relevant to all times. You know, it's instructive to me that even you take a situation like Acts 15, you got this council of Jerusalem, they're meeting to discuss a controversial matter and you would think these are men Who were apostles. These are men who have a a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit, and and they could, and they're seeking God's guidance on this. But you know what? None of them in that text, even having access to God in that way, none of them are asking from God for a new special revelation to answer the questions that have been brought up. You know what they do? They either quote scripture from many, many years ago or they reference what God has already done in recent months, in recent years that they have observed. They're going back to what God has already said, what God has already revealed. I think there is tremendous wisdom for that. The Word of God is written in such a way that there is wisdom for everything we could encounter. Doesn't mean that we can't gain insights from each other. Doesn't mean that you can't gain insights from reading other materials, people that have uh, have done research in certain areas and their own life experience. Just having conversations with each other, we we gain. God uses His wisdom in a lot of ways, but actual special revelation from God. If you want to, if you want to hear God speak. If you want to discern His will and make a spiritual, spirit led decision, we probably just need to be opening this up a lot more. But not just opening it up, opening up in such a way where we actively listen as if God is speaking to us. Because He is. Listen carefully. Meditate on it. Use the same words to speak back to him in response. That's what I'd encourage each of us to do tonight if you want a word from the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for bringing us here together tonight. We know this is a tough subject, Father, and we we don't want to belittle you or undermine you in any way. We are in awe of you and of your plan and the different ways that you have revealed yourself throughout history Father we we love to read about how you've spoken to so many different people in different ways Father we thank you more than anything else for speaking to us through your son Jesus through his words and through his life and through his death and through his resurrection and through the ongoing work of his apostles Father Just thank you for sharing this with us so that we can know your will, so that we can see your scheme of redemption and bringing us back to you. When we are looking for a word from you on something specific, we pray that we will seek that from you. We pray that you will work in whatever way that you choose to, Father. We don't want to limit you in any way. Father, may we have our ears opened to what you have already said in your word. May we spend so much time in it that we are having conversation with you every day through that. We love you so much, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, again, if you still want to talk about this topic any further, I'll be open for, for more dialogue about it. Uh, if you are here struggling with something in your life that we can pray about tonight, Or if you want to talk about becoming a Christian, being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then walking in newness of life with Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. If you need to make that decision tonight, then we invite you to come as together we stand and as we sing.